So what's the worst pet name myself or some past boyfriend has ever called you? I have no answer for this. Um, it's not a bad one. You always call me Elbel, though, and everyone thinks you're calling me Elbow. Yes, that's <laughs> so true. So other people sometimes jokingly call me Elbow. I once heard, not a boyfriend, but another friend of ours call you Smelly Ellie. <laughs> yeah. I remember your roommate called you Ellen Magellan. That's a legit name. It's a good nickname. <laughs> You're, you're jealous. It's a B plus. <laughs> it's uh, I'm a little jealous because unfortunately the names, the nicknames for Chuck, are never as good as. Suddenly our podcast will have not a G rating anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. I was thinking of Chuck E. Cheese or Truck the Chuck the, or Chuck the Truck. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Chuck. And I'm Ellen. And this is Imperfect Family, where we try to pursue biblical, theological, and creative ways to uphold the supremacy of God in marriage and parenting. This podcast is mostly unscripted, and it's just the two of us trying to work through and talk through issues that Christian families might face. This episode is All of Christ for All of Life, Part 1, School. School. Uh, bet you can't guess why that's been on my mind this week <laughs> we're both officially back in school what yeah. happened to summer i'm like uh making ugh sounds but actually this semester has been awesome so far yeah we both love school and a busy schedule and fall is both of those things so this is a good time for us but it is a little bit sad to let go of summer I feel like the whole last episode, though, we just spent the first two minutes lamenting it. So everyone knows we're sad summer's over. Yeah. No, this this semester has been awesome. Spent the whole first week with you down in Louisville doing class and getting to hang out with some of our old friends down there and spent like 40, was it like 45 hours or so? It was so many hours. Working on just Greek. Usually (laughs) I don't get to go with you down to your classes, but it was kind, kind of fun to see you like in your element. Yeah. You I were met, like in the wild. Yeah, it was fun. I met a lot of a lot of folks from across the country. So I went for like a very special class for Greek that a lot of retired uh folks come to who are trying to learn Greek in the later stages of their life. And uh so I met a lot of guys who have been in ministry for a long time, met some missionaries from Tanzania who had been sent home from COVID and decided, hey, while while we're home might as well learn Greek. And so it was It was a really cool trip. And then I'm taking uh, an in- intermediate Greek course this semester and a class on pastoral ministry. So that's, yeah. it's been fun. Yeah, it really was. It was cool to see you like in your element down in Louisville. Um, I, I see like the homework side of your schooling, but like I don't get to see you like in class. So that was, it was fun. We got to eat some good Indian food. Did. We got to eat some okay Indian food. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was like, honestly, it was my first Indian food experience. So maybe it was amazing yeah. or maybe it was terrible. And like, I don't have a gauge for it. It was good. The only thing is, is like, I was so engaged in conversation with the people that we were sitting with that I was eating while I was talking and I wasn't even noticing if the food was good. So maybe yeah. it wasn't bad that it caught my attention, I guess. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was like good that we were distracted. Like we were very into... The folks that were around right. us, there were some really interesting people yeah. to talk so, to. 
let's uh, let's intro what we're doing because we said in the title that this is the All of Christ for All of Life Part One School. So, um, what do we mean that it's Part One? We're going to be doing an ongoing series um, under this umbrella of All of Christ for All of Life, which is not something we invented, but it's something that we have come to love and have adopted. Um, I don't know. Can you say it's like a motto for our family? Well, it is because we, so something we are planning to talk about in a future episode is this weekend we officially launched our family vision with between Ellen and I and our kids, something that we've been working on for a long time, like all the avenues of our life, everything that we can possibly think of. Uh, how do we steward it well as a family? So we kind of launched our vision and it's all under this banner of all of Christ for all of life. We're trying to answer the question, how much is how much of Jesus is supposed to impact our lives here? And um, so we came across somebody who had put together this little phrase, all of Christ for all of life. And now um, our daughter, who's three, says all of life for all of Christ. And <laughs> she's, still, she's still learning it. But what it is, is we're really just trying to think through as a family, like, what do we do to make sure that we are running the race of faith well? And so um, we're thinking through a lot of subjects. And so when we say this is an ongoing series, like, I think I envision this as like, this is part one, but part two might be in six months or in three months, or next episode, like, just as things come up that we want to talk through together, we're just going to do them on this podcast, and it'll just be this kind of ongoing thing that we just keep coming back to. So today, we want to talk about school, because it's on our minds. Yeah, it definitely is. It's a very relevant conversation in our house right now, but I think when we talk about all of Christ for all of life, there are some things that we've talked through that just, like, naturally fit into this. Like they just make sense. You don't have to think too hard about, you know, why do we do family worship? You know, that one's an easy one. Why do we go to church on Sunday and be in community with folks and, you know, try to share the gospel with folks around us? Like those areas of life are so easy to see how Christ fits into that. But then there are other parts that just seem a little bit unnatural to me in the sense of I feel like I'm the one putting in the effort. Therefore, like it's kind of disconnected from Christ a little bit. So I'm the one doing the studying. I'm the one achieving certain grades. You know, am I actually doing that to honor Christ? And I think I need to take a step back as our kids are starting school and help them think through that a little bit better than I ever have for myself. Awesome. So where where are you at in thinking through this stuff? Like, I think... For me, it's a little easier because I'm in seminary. So like pretty much everything I'm doing is preparing for ministry or strengthening ministry that we're already involved in. And um, it's spurring me on in like a million different ways. Like it's pretty self-explanatory. But what about for our first grader and our soon-to-be kindergartner who's starting this, what, Thursday? Uh, um, in just a couple more days, two yeah. days, and he'll be in school. Yeah. Like how do we think through? How do we think through motivating them to do well in school under the banner that we have set? This is a hard one, and I don't know that I have like a hard and fast answer yet, but I think at the root, it, it's us helping them see that it's 
the desires of their heart and their motivation that's going to determine is this falling under all of Christ for all of life. So, I mean, our kids are so young that I think it's us just helping them kind of do a a self-analysis of where is my heart as I'm doing my schoolwork. So I think it's easy to look at a kid who's bringing home a report card who has all A's or, you know, maybe all A's and B's, just good scores on it and just being like, oh, you know what? They worked hard. Therefore, they're honoring Jesus in the work that they're doing. And that may be true, but looking at it simply from the world standards of like, oh, this child is achieving doesn't necessarily mean that they are working hard for that purpose. Like, are you saying like maybe if there's a student who's especially gifted and assignments are just easy, like they know what's going to come, they might necessarily be giving it their all kind of thing. Is that what you mean? Definitely. And I, I mean, I think this could translate to, you know, even adults going to work, like maybe the to-do list is getting done, but they're putting in half the effort. And so like the boss is pleased because the work is getting done, but there's no like oomph to what they're doing where like they know that they could be working harder. I think that, you know, we can help our kids to see that just because they're getting a good grade does not mean that they're giving it their best effort. Mm. And I don't think that at its core, that's what we're trying to teach our kids is success and is honoring to God is like, well, you got an A, but you didn't really try that hard. Like, you just kind of played the system is all that happened. Yeah. One, so as you're talking, like, it occurred to me that, like, we could push that way too far and it could be really unhealthy. Like, we definitely don't want to be parents who, like, push, 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 push our kids. Like, even when they get good grades, we're like, all right, you need to try harder. Um, we don't want to be that way. But, like, I'm going to try to make an analogy. Because I think this falls in line with what you're talking about. So right now we're just, I'm, you and I have had so many conversations with just friends at church and about this idea that like we are put on this earth to have dominion over creation. And so that doesn't just mean weed the garden. It doesn't just mean cut the grass. Like it means subdue the earth, you know, like make it ours. And so, you know, four different students at different giftings or talents like maybe part of it is like just getting through school and and doing their best and and seeking after it but then there's this idea of like we want to be we want to be obedient to the idea of subduing like we want to dominate the earth i mean literally have dominion over it so it's not just weeding the garden it's not just taking the test it's not just making sure that we're getting our good grades it's it's the whole package that we're honoring god in all that we do including how we pursue our grades. Is that, is that what you're trying to get at? Is like yes. maybe the first step? Thank you for helping me verbalize that because I feel like I have all these ideas in my head and they're just stuck there. But that, that helped. <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm with you on that. Like I get what you're saying. Like even for me, like being in school, I've had different professors who have been really kind and helpful in thinking through like as a seminary student, most of us are moms and dads going through our program and we're busy, we're working full-time jobs, we're also in ministry, and there's just a long list of things. And I had one professor in particular, I'll never forget, he said, like, maybe the most faithful thing for you is to get Bs, or maybe the most faithful thing for you is to get As. Only we're the judges of that. And like, as parents, 
Our kids might not be the best judges of that. But as parents, we should maybe try to be wise and discerning about that for our boys as they're going into the school year this year. Definitely. And, you know, you mentioned that if a, if our kids or whoever is getting good grades, you know, we need to evaluate that. But I think on the flip side, you know, maybe there's a student who isn't getting the highest scores, but that doesn't necessarily like raise this red flag of like, oh, they're not trying their hardest. Like, therefore, they're not working for the glory of God. Like that might not be true. We all have our own giftings that he has given us. And for some academics come easier and for some it doesn't. And like the grade scale is not necessarily a reflection of the heart. Yeah. And I think I can use that point to kind of like transition into what I think when when I was trying to think through this for our kids, sometimes it's it's an issue of motivation. You know, it's not just, you know, if we were to stress just your point alone, like I don't know if that's the full picture, like part of the motivation part of the part of the motivation for <laughs> We got there. <laughs> part of the motivation for um for our kids to to pursue school and to pursue knowledge and to grow is that we want to grow in the knowledge of how to um, interpret and look for God's revelation in the world. So I remember when you were doing um, an open house at, at school. So, you know, you teach kindergarten and you were leading an open house and you said, you know, one of the reasons we teach the kids so young how to read full paragraphs is so that they can open up their Bibles and read God's word. Like that's why you're teaching them to read. And we're very open with the kids that like that is their motivation. It's not just as adults, we know that, you know, God has revealed himself through the written word. And so we're going to push the kids hard. Like we tell them that, like what a blessing is it that not only did God leave the written word for us, but he also gives us the ability to learn to read it. Mm -hmm. And so like what more motivation do you need? And so if, if, you talk about that and you get the kids excited about it, they jump on board with it. Yeah, I think they can get there. And like, I recently heard a, a really great, man, I just cannot speak. I recently heard a really great um, perspective on this about a kid who was asking a pastor of like, why would, why is it worth it for me to go to school and learn to do math? Uh, he just didn't see the point. I think it was like a fifth grader or something. I don't know. And the pastor said like, God is a God of order and math is all about order and understanding order and math is all about interpreting reality and God has review, revealed himself in reality. Like we learn to do math well so that, when we, so that when we interact with reality, we can better understand and interpret our revealed God. And I was like, man, that's one way to think of it. <laughs> like that's one way to think of it that I never thought of before. I thought that was really helpful. Yeah, I totally resonated with that child because math is just not <laughs> my forte. So I also need that motivation of like, why do we study this? Why do we need this? One thing that I've heard about this that I just loved is that numbers never change, right? And it's a reflection of the fact that God doesn't change. So one plus one is always going to be two. I know there's those weird numbers that sometimes have different answers. <laughs> but in theory, like the answer... And the numbers are always going to stay the same. They're never going to change. And that's even as I'm sitting here, you know, teaching a math lesson, I myself can be reminded of like, wow, God also never changes. He is faithful. He is steadfast. 
in this math lesson. Love it. I think the first time I heard this is um, I was, I really like poetry. Like it's like a side hobby of mine. I want to like get out my little drum over here and you I can like, like. No, 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 no. I like poetry, not I'm teasing. speaking I know. words. I like, um, I really like poetry. I like to write it sometimes and I definitely like to read it. And so one of my favorite old poets is Isaac Watts. He's pretty much known for his hymns. And one time I was at a big, big book sale and I came across a book that he wrote. And I didn't even know he wrote any books. But he wrote a book, a textbook on logic. And I bought it and I never read anything except the introduction. But everyone like comes and sees it on your bookshelf and they're like, ooh, Chuck's so smart. He Please. read that. I'm teasing. Please. Uh, I'll be really open. I've read less than half of the books in my library. You're just like just putting idols. yourself out there today. They're just idols in my office of dust. Okay. But anyways, in the introduction, the introduction to the book is a letter that he wrote to someone. It doesn't really say if he's another pastor or whatever. But um, he's talking about logic and he's explaining to this guy why he decided to write this book. So let me read it for you. This is written in the 1700s. So the language is a little, it's a little rough to understand and should, I mean, at least it is for me. I probably need to read the textbook to go back and read the introduction well. But anyways, uh, let me read this for us. So he says, you know, sir, the great design of this noble science of logic is to rescue our reasoning powers from their unhappy slavery and darkness and thus with all due submission and deference, it offers an humble assistance to divine revelation. Its chief business is to relieve the natural weakness of the mind by some better efforts of nature. It is to diffuse a light over the understanding and our inquiries after truth, and not to furnish the tongue with debate and controversy. True logic is not that noisy thing that deals all in dispute and wrangling, to which former ages have debased and confined it. Yet its disciples must acknowledge also that they are taught to vindicate and defend the truth as well as to search it out. True logic does not require a long detail of hard words to amuse mankind and to puff up the mind with empty sounds and a pride of false learning. Yet some distinctions in terms of art are necessary to range every idea in its proper class and to keep our thoughts for confusion. And he goes on and on and talking about logic, but really he just he's talking about knowledge. Like... He's, his tool is logic to gain and understand knowledge that comes towards him. And just to me, like the way he's approaching this just kind of fits into what we're talking about. Like we, as we're thinking about all of Christ for all parts of our life, all parts of Christ for all parts of our life, how does school fit into that? Well, one way is we're gaining in knowledge about God's revelation. He's revealed himself in nature in math, in reading, in literature, in music, in science, in history. And what Isaac Watts is saying, the more knowledge we gain about all of these things, the more we can understand and see our God revealed in all his different ways. For me, that's definitely something I wish I heard when I was a kindergartner because, you know, Isaac Watts is talking about we don't gain knowledge to grow puffed up and full of just empty words and for debate and argument. Well, I put myself out there again. <laughs> I mean, that, that's maybe how I approach knowledge for a really long time. Um, and I think that would have been helpful, like just thinking through this. So I don't know. As we, I don't know, it's like school starting and we're like trying to think about this for the kids. Yeah, I think this is going to be a conversation we're going to need to have with them. Yeah, I think that 
you know, even the math example that we gave, like that's something that I heard as an adult. And I was like, wow, I've never thought about math that way, about how it points directly to God. And so like, we can't assume that our kids are going to naturally get to these conclusions on their own. Like they are conversations that need to be had. So, you know, they are simple things about, you know, buddy, you're having a hard time with your math homework tonight. Like, let's stop for just a second and like remind ourselves, why do we even study math? You know, and just articulate it to him, allow him to articulate it back. Just a quick like reset of like, I'm not doing this to get a good grade. I'm not doing this just, you know, like you said, to have empty knowledge, but I am doing this because math points to God, history points to God, all of these subjects in some way are tied to who God is and how he has revealed himself to us. Mm, Love it. You ready for your uh, premarital question of the week? (laughs) Our post-premarital. Yes. All right. Uh, Question is, what is your ideal date? Are you taking notes over there? You're going to plan our next date? Oh, I already know the answer. (laughs) Oh, do you? Maybe you should answer the question today. What is my ideal date? (laughs) No, no, that's not how this works. You're just putting yourself out there tonight. I thought I'd give you one more opportunity. I'm just teasing you. Um, my ideal date. <laughs> so I think when you and I were actually like in the dating phase, like pre-marriage, I think that we just like went the very standard route a lot of times of like, we're going to go out to eat, you know, maybe go for a walk afterwards. And like, I think we talked about this on another episode. Neither of us enjoy eating out that much. And so it ended up being like almost more stressful to like uh, enjoy it as much as we thought we were going to, but it's always loud in the restaurant and we like can't talk to each other really well. So for me, a a date, an ideal date is just something a little bit more quiet. One that you and I really enjoy is like going hiking or something. We have great conversations while we're out where it's quiet and we can think straight and just enjoy nature. We both enjoy being outside. So I think it would be something more like that of, yeah, not the being in a crowd, but just like you and I hiking, maybe having a picnic, something like that, instead of like the standard like dinner and a movie. Mm. What's your ideal date? Mm. I don't usually like, bounce the question back to you but i'm curious probably riding horseback along the beach (laughs) you're like deathly (laughs) allergic to horses it's true so interesting fact about me put yourself out there again yeah i once took an allergy test of 72 things and i was allergic to 67 of them my number one being horses (laughs) you really really want to get out of this date with me huh really really allergic to horses um, okay, um, my ideal date, yeah, I don't love, I mean, I'm thankful for all the dates that we went on where, that were just sitting in a coffee house talking. That's not my favorite kind of date, but I like those dates because they kind of build on each other and like, you know, all those conversations that we've had made way to have more and more and more conversations. So I'm thankful for those. But I like doing something on a date, like whether it's going to a baseball game or, um, going hiking or going to Cedar Point and riding roller coasters like just I like spending time with you and I don't necessarily like have to have to make my date a 
a quality time thing of like, we have to have an intense conversation or it's not a date. Like, I just like hanging out, you know? Yeah, I think that usually when you and I do something like that, like we go have a super fun day, like typically afterwards we do end up having really good conversations, but it's like not forced. It's just like, man, we had a fun day. We like feel close to each other. Like on the drive home, we have like a really good deep chat about something. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Where like when we go out to eat, it's just like, what do we talk about? I don't know. (laughs) We just complain the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) But those people are so loud. (laughs) Who would ever eat here? All right. What's my uh, wonderful quote of the week? So I read this one. I had one saved for us for this week. I was excited to talk about it, but then I stumbled across this and I just felt like it fit in with what we talked about today. And it was just an encouragement to me. Um, It says, the goal of parenting isn't to create perfect kids. It's to point our kids to the perfect God. I think deja vu. Did we do this one before? We didn't. I saved this one. Okay, say it again. The goal of parenting isn't to create perfect kids. It's to point our kids to the perfect God. Uh, mostly agree. Like on a scale of one to five, I would say a four. What part are we disagreeing with? Uh, the, the point that's like the goal, like the one goal of parenting. Okay, I could jump on board with that. Is to do this. Um, it just, for me, with the conversation we just had, it really like alleviated some pressure of like, the goal is not to raise straight A students. Like that is not our ultimate parenting goal. Our ultimate goal is to show them who Christ is and teach them to love him in every area of their life. So to me, it was an encouragement more than anything else, specifically in the conversation we had today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like, I like the quote. Um, I, would, I don't think I would ever like hang it in my house or anything, but overall, Four out of five. I feel like that on this podcast has like become our standard. Like, is that hanging on our wall or not? I mean, a lot of these quotes that you are reading are like I know. These Instagram quotes. <laughs> but some we really genuinely do have on our walls. Like people True. have been to our home, like see yeah. our like museum of quotes. We should uh, we should just like go through those quotes and reevaluate that could be like them. a whole episode. <laughs> like a bonus hash out. A bonus episode. I yes. love it. All right, my dear. Um, my friends, thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. Uh, Ellen and I have been working on some other ideas for this podcast, and um, we don't think we're going to ever do more more frequent episodes. I think every other week is still going to be our standard format. But we're working about we're working on thinking of other ideas for episodes. Like last episode was the book review. Now we've got kind of a long form series forming with this one. Um, so we're just trying to think through some other things. So if you have friends that you think would be, this would be helpful, um, share our episodes with folks and we would love to interact with you. So send us messages and yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah. See you all in two weeks. See ya. This podcast is part of Commuter Ministries. For more information about Commuter Ministries, visit us at www.commuterministries.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Commuter Ministries.